This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by, as ever, David Hughes. Dave, how's things? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Uh, I'm enjoying the sunshine. I don't know if it's the same for people listening at home, but it's been fantastic for those at least. Yeah, it's sunny in Liverpool as well for once. Um, getting used to it, but are you excited for the Euros, Dave? I am actually, yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm the I'm the biggest uh, patriot. Is that the right term? No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> the biggest of uh, England fans. I'm not. I'm not against them either. Um, but I, I, I obviously prefer club football. But when it comes to the international tournaments, they're really exciting, and, and I can't wait to be honest. Uh, there's so many more games this time around as well. Initially, I was against that, but now it's here. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll take I'll take those extra matches, and I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Are you? No, I'm looking forward to it myself, and that is the theme of today's podcast, actually. I think I'm right in saying this is the first analysing Anfield that has taken place during a major international tournament when it comes to either the Euros or the World Cup. I think this might be the first. So obviously it's a Liverpool podcast. We'll try to come back to Liverpool as much as we possibly can. But at the end of the day, it is quiet on the club side of things. So we're going to go through the Euros. We're going to go through the group stages. And... A few weeks ago, we, we, we had a scouting picks episode where me and Dave just picked players that we wanted to flag, basically, who looked interesting. We're going to do that again, but with a Euro theme. We're going to go group by group. I'm going to pick two players per group. Dave's going to pick two players per group. As usual, we don't know each other's picks. I assume there'll be a fair few crossovers. Um, But yeah, that's the theme of today's episode. Hopefully get you in the mood for the Euros and we will tie whatever back to Liverpool whenever we can. So, uh, Dave, if you don't know, you're going to start with Group A. Uh, group A, yeah. Yeah, we'll start with Group on, A. Man. And Group A consists of Italy, Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. I'll let you go first, mate. Yeah, it's quite an open group, that one, isn't it? I know Italy has been a fantastic form, but, you know, the other three sides. I think Turkey have been doing quite well as well, actually. Um might, might seem like a cop-out, I apologise, but I've, I've gone quite straightforward initially uh, looking at Italy. And I've gone with a player who may ring a bell for you, Josh, because we've either talked about him on another podcast. Um, I'm sure we've spoken about him. I've all, I think I've written about him as well. Um, and that's uh, Manuel Locatelli, uh, Asasualo, uh, midfielder. He was, um, he was at AC Milan initially. Uh, when I was on loan to Sassuolo and done so well that they signed him. It was either the summer just gone or the summer before. But um, he's 23, included in the Italy squad. I think he may only have the 10 caps to his name, but he's uh, he's been some doing, doing some really good stuff in Serie A. Um, he's a midfielder, very much a traditional box-to-box midfielder. Um, you know, he does good work both with and without the ball. Um, Certainly, I haven't looked at his numbers uh, ahead of the show, uh, but I know when I was looking last year, uh, he seemed to show fairly well in terms of things like defensive duels, interceptions, but also quite pr- progressive uh, with the ball at his feet. You know, he seems to dictate play, and obviously Italy are more possession-based on uh, Roberto Mancini now. Um, so whilst I don't expect them to play every game because they've got a really strong side, it will be interesting to see uh, see how he performs when he comes into the team because there are rumours that other clubs are in for him. Uh, the biggest is Juventus. I'm not sure there's some Premier League sides in there. Um, you know whether he that he'd be good enough to be a midfielder in Liverpool. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'd like to see him in another another division first, but he's just someone I think people should keep an eye on if he if he gets on the pitch. Yeah, I think there was a lot of hype around him a few years back. I think maybe it's gone a little bit quieter. I'm not sure exactly what's happened there with him. I don't think he's had any kind of decline or like that. But I do remember when he emerged at AC Milan, him being really, really talked up. Um, and for whatever reason, that doesn't seem to happen as much nowadays. But yeah, definitely a player worth flagging. 
So I've went to Switzerland um, and I'm sticking with the Liverpool team with this one. So I've 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 went for Dennis Zachariah. Um might have mentioned him previously on this podcast, to be honest, a few years back. But the reason I mention him, even though he's a player that I, I will I will mention now actually, with this being the Euros, it's it was difficult, wasn't it, Dave, to pick out only players who nobody will have heard of, you know, a lot of them um a lot of them are, are well known sort of thing. So hence the reason why they're called up to international duty to to represent the country in the major tournament. So some of the names you will know. It's not going to be like the scouting picks from a few weeks back, maybe. But yeah, Dennis Zachariah. Uh, Nick with Liverpool in the past, I think I'm led to believe Liverpool actually tried to sign him at his previous club when he was at um, Young Boys in Switzerland. But didn't end up happening. I think around that time, Liverpool ended up signing Wijnaldum, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, and a year later, he moved to Mönchengladbach for about £10 million. But just a the type of midfielder just that just looks like he'd cope in the in English football, like he'd cope in the Premier League. Really tall, about six foot three, I think. Good on the ball, quite reliable. Um, you'd keep you'd keep him behind the ball most of the time. I think I think he'd be good as like a a bit of a presence to regain the ball and allow others around him to take risks. But then, given his height and stuff like that, maybe he'd be useful some set pieces and things. But yeah, I think. Given that he was linked with Liverpool in the past, and the fact I think he's still only twenty four years old, he has been linked with a move back to, to England a few times. Manchester United have been in there; he is still twenty twenty four. Yeah, so we might see him in England sometime soon. Still at Manchester Gladbach, um, but he was my first shout because I think he'll probably be a starter for Switzerland. And as I said, he might be there might be moves to England on the cards in the future for him. Yeah, um, I'm glad you caveated before he talked about them there, that the fact that there is going to be names that everybody knows uh, because everybody should know this player now. Although, again, what I will say is, Josh, I'm pretty sure uh, that scouting episodes uh, last year, we might have talked about him. Um, and that Federico Chiesa um, at Juventus. Um, obviously, he's on loan from Fiorentina, which is quite bizarre. Uh, I, I don't know what the kind of dynamics behind that are. Um but Serie A does tend to throw up stuff like that. I was going to say, you know, it's a strange list. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Little things like you can, even, you know, lone players can play against the parent clubs there, I'm sure, which is, uh, I've always found very strange. But look, really good player. Still just 23. Feels like he's been around now for a couple of years, but um, obviously he's, uh, I think he's predominantly being used as like a wide attacker. When we talked about him last year, I think, there was talk of me because of his technical ability that he could be like a Firmino type. I think on reflection, I might have been pushing the boat out a bit with that. Um, you know, might be a bit of a pipe dream that. But you know, he does. He can play through the middle and as a forward. Um, so who knows? But yeah, I, the reason I'm flagging is because he's had another good campaign. I think he scored maybe something like 15 goals this year. Um, and I just think it's a big tournament against one of the top sides in. in in the competition uh, I think he could really go up a level make himself a bit of a superstar if he performs well over the next few weeks so that's why I've, I've flagged him as a, a player that we should keep an eye on yeah I've gone down a bit more of an obscure route with this one and the, the, the only reason I'm flagging him really is because I've wrote about him in the past so difficult name to pronounce certainly his first name his first first name but it is Abdul Kadir Omar or Omar um Turkish plays for Trabz on sport. Um, but the reason I'm flagging him is because he was linked with Liverpool. He was fairly strongly linked with Liverpool a few few seasons ago. Um, and I got asked about, uh, to look at him to determine why for the echo I think it might have been. And I couldn't tell you. Because <laughs> I don't think he was... <laughs> he didn't show up as a Liverpool level by any, by any means. And at the same time, he was linked with Newcastle. Um and there's a bit of a different level there between Liverpool and Newcastle. He didn't end up coming to the Premier League. Maybe it was agent talk, but he's still only 21 years old. He is a nice player to watch. He's quite tricky, very small, really agile, um, left-footed. And his contract expires next summer as well. So, again, probably a move could be on the horizon. Whether it'll be to the Premier League, I would maybe doubt. Just 
largely because of his physicality, really. Uh, to be honest, Dave, if, if I was to describe him, he's a number 10 type-ish. So if I was to compare him to a player, it would probably be Bernard at Everton. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a, a compliment or... A... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a of, he's a good of both. Really? Yeah, because obviously Bernard's a, a good technical player, isn't he? Um, you know, we, we both agree with that. He just maybe lacks the output. I don't know if if you throw him in the same bracket as that or yeah, he's definitely yeah, he's definitely that. He, as I said, he's he, he's small, agile, really tricky, good on the ball, uh, plays in offensive areas, but then doesn't really have a lot of output to his game and doesn't have physicality to his game. So I think he's got the same strengths and the same weaknesses as Bernard, but maybe mm. I wouldn't say he's just as technically good as Bernard. I think Bernard gets by, doesn't he, because of his, his close control and stuff. But I think this lad, decent on that side, but maybe not to a Brazilian level. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye on him, because uh, if he plays for Turkey, I'm not sure if he's a starter for them. But he's he's that kind of tricky attacker that does look good on paper, but when it comes to actually making a signing for him and playing him in a attacking position, maybe he doesn't retain that much. Um but as I said, two players there for me in Group A that have both been linked with Liverpool in the past. Um, some justifiably so, the other not so much. So when it comes to Group B then, Dave, we have Belgium, Denmark, Finland and Russia. Mm. I must admit I was a little bit um, lopsided in this in terms of players I was looking at. Initially going in, uh, when I've kind of been looking at the Euros in general, uh, going over the last couple of weeks, I expected Belgium to be a team I looked on looked at a lot. And there is one player that we talked about, Doku, last week. Uh, I would have liked to talk about him in this situation, but I feel like since we've done that uh, last week, it's probably not fair to do it again for those who do listen week in week out. Um, so I had the Gander Denmark because you know they've got within the kind of analysis scene a lot of people are bigging up Denmark and they look like they're, they're bringing in some really good technical players and I've gone with um, someone that, one of the lesser established names or one of the ones getting the less traction and that's Mikhail Damsgaard at Sampdoria um, he's he, on paper it doesn't look like he's done anything too remarkable there I'll, I'll tell you why I like him uh, he's not playing week in week out because he's only 20 years old but He's, he played about 1,900 minutes last season, hardly as a starter. Still contributed two goals, four assists. Um, but he come, Josh, he was recruited from Northland, now FC Northland. And I just feel like for me, they're the side. We have these teams that we like, don't we, who we think if, if a player is coming from that side, the chances are they've got good prospects of being a really good player because these clubs recruit well. You'd say, you know... Um, you, you probably, in terms of the Premier League, you probably put Brighton in that bracket. Uh, over in France, maybe like Lille. Um, and then obviously you've got like the the Red Bull group, uh, Leipzig, Salzburg, and, and then I put FC Northland in there as well. Um, yeah, and he, he made a move from there. I think it was, yeah, it was only last summer. So it was his first season in Serie A and he's had a half decent um input into the squads, you know, he's done quite well and he's, he's obviously gone to the Euros. If he can impress in the Euros, if he gets some game time and does well, then he's, uh, he could be a player who's set for a bright future. Yeah, I think he's uh, he might be a new one for me. I'm not sure if I've come across that. There'll, be a, there'll be a few of them, to be honest with you. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think if, if anyone sees me going sheepish when Josh mentions a name, it sounds like I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was going to mention, actually, regarding uh, Do- Jeremy Doku, who you didn't you yeah. who you didn't didn't talk about this time around? He's actually um if you look at the Belgium squad, he's the only player that's been selected who's under the age of twenty four. Everybody mm-hmm. else is over twenty four. So I suppose above everything, really, that probably highlights his level, really, doesn't it? I mean, if Roberto Martinez has picked the gang of players who are ready to just win right now, but he's picked is he nineteen, Dave? 18, I think. 18. 18 year old, yeah. So, yeah, definitely yeah. one to keep an eye on. Um, but for me, I have. Oh, no, he is 19. Sorry, he's just turned 19. Apologies in the last few days. Yeah, okay. Um, so I've picked a lad who I've been aware of for a while. I just think he's a, he looks like a, a good player, good, reliable right back. Um, Joaquin Mail. 
um, or Jochen Mail. Um, surname is spelled M A E H L E. Um, as I said, he's a right back. 24 years old now. Danish. Plays for Denmark. Um, and he played against Liverpool, I think, earlier in the season in the Champions League for Genk. Uh, I think it was Genk. Was, it been this, is, was, that, was that even this season or last season? It's hard to even remember now. Um, but he moved in January. January just gone to Atalanta, who we know play very good football for about 10 million. And uh, he's just been, he's just a player, I'm not sure how I became aware of him, but he just looks like that, a reliable, decent right-back who's fairly well-rounded, good crosser of the ball, <clears throat> no real major weaknesses, as I said, just kind of like a solid 6, 7 out of 10 in virtually every department. I think he's a good size and things. He's played a few minutes in midfield, as well as a right-back. I think he's played the right side of midfield as well, but, you know, any anyone who's looking for... A right back, maybe it's a bit difficult now considering he moved in in January to Atalanta, but he just, he just looks like a player who looks decent. Um, and around the time when specifically Aston Villa were signing quite a few players from Belgium, they signed um, Samata from Belgium, they signed Wesley, I think, came from Belgium, one or two others maybe. I thought they were maybe going to look at Mail. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name back there, by the way, that's a complete guess because it's a tough one, that but... Yeah, he's, he's a lad who probably won't let the tournaments up, considering his position and stuff, but he's just kind of that reliable presence that I think will probably start for Denmark, probably play throughout, and probably won't put a foot wrong. Um, mm. Again, decent transfer move for someone, but looks like Atalanta have got in there first. I uh, my next player is actually a player that does does plays trade in England, um, albeit the second tier. And that that's Marcus Force at Brentford. Um, again, you know, I, not, I, I not, was just talking about. Go on, not sorry. Second tier, no more then. Well, no, yeah, good point actually. And and now we're a new Premier League side, so we may see this player in the Premier League next season. Um, you know, he's six foot, uh, twenty one years old. The, now I was talking about clubs that kind of do really well in terms of recruitments. Um, I didn't mention Brentford, but I probably should have because we know that the uh, they're a club that really pushed for those marginal gains, and it was kind of a success for them to to pr- get promoted, um, given how they've how they've done it over the past few years. Um, he didn't he didn't play a ton last season, Josh, but I suppose we can understand that given what what they've got up top. Brentford, you know, obviously. Ivan Tony's up there, isn't he? And he scores. Did he score the most goals in the championship ever? Was it? I think he broke the record, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about to score as many as he did, um, it means he's obviously playing a lot of football. Uh, he's in fine form. It's difficult to dislodge him. But um, they br- the Brentford brought him in. Uh, he went out on loan with Wimbledon uh, the season before last. Come in this season. And, you know, as I said, he's only played... Uh, 1,400 minutes he's played. Very rarely start. Yet he still scored eight goals and registered one assist. That breaks down to an average of about 0.51 goals per 90. You know, it's a good record. Uh, he's, he's at Finland and whether he's going to be playing second fiddle behind Timu Kuki, you know, that could be the case. Um, he's obviously their star man in attack, but he's shown that he can come onto the pitch and impact games. Um at 21, he's still really young. If he if he scores a couple of goals in the tournament, has a strong season in the Premier League, we get to learn more about him. Because what I will say is, I haven't watched him a ton. You know, what what I'm basing this off is is his underlying numbers and things I've read elsewhere. You know, I don't know how great of a player he is, but if he develops, um, he seems like he has the makings of being a good player in the future. So again, you know, it's one that. Us included, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on him over the next couple of weeks, and he might might only get three games because it's unlikely Finland, Finland will progress. But if he can do something in them, then you know it'll be a, be one to watch uh, in the new season when Brentford come up. Yeah, so I'm I'm sticking with Denmark once more, and uh, again, this player will be someone that I, I assume most of our listeners will be aware of. This is not an under the radar player, but he's someone who wants to flag just kind of out of interest above anything else, really. And that is Casper Dolberg. Uh, when he burst onto the scene a few years ago, he was kind of deemed as, as the next big thing. 
Um, and he kind of hasn't really done it. Uh, I'm not really sure why. I don't specifically follow the Dutch Red VC, but when he was 18, he came through Ajax, first team, again, 18 years old, and, and he scored 16 in his in his first season. 15 of those were non-penalty, and he also registered six assists. And he was just, he, he, he was hailed as, you know, a real top prospect and stuff. Following year, he only scored six. Four of them went on penalty and zero assists. And then he kind of, I think he got injured and stuff, and he scored 11 goals at, at one point for Ajax, then scored, well, then then he moved to Nice. Um, and he's, he's now at Nice. He's doing okay in things. He scored six goals this season, 11 goals last season for them. And he's now 23, I think it is. Yeah, 23. So he's just a player that I wanted to flag because he's, a few years back, you know, when, when an Ajax prospect is kind of is bigged up as like a, a, a real top player and he's, he's going to make it and all this, they, they usually do. And I think, although Dolberg hasn't necessarily fell off a cliff, you know, Nice is a decent level. It's still interesting to see maybe why he hasn't hit those heights and why initially... Say you know, coming back to the Liverpool theme, why Liverpool kind of wait for a player to have a few seasons under his belt, lots of minutes under his belt for Liverpool to go on, because it minimises the risk of him essentially being a one-it wonder. And if Liverpool and and any other team could have jumped after that first initial season when he was eighteen years old, and he scored sixteen in the Dutch Eredivisie, but Liverpool usually avoid players who've just based onto the scene, you know, even the likes of Haaland and Sancho and players like this, it's quite clear that they're really good, but Liverpool usually target players who have got quite a few seasons under the belt, even the likes of Canate, now you look at Canate, he's only 22, but he's got like four big European league seasons under his belt, Um, so it's something that you genuinely want to avoid really, signing a player who's just based onto the scene, and I think looking at Dolberg, again, look, although he hasn't done that bad, although he's still doing all right and things, he's probably a good a good reason as to why you don't initially you you initially avoid the hype maybe. Um, and further along the line, if he's still doing it after quite a few years, then you take the jump. Then um, I think a few a few teams in the Premier League maybe have been a bit a bit quick in the past to jump on a hype train, only to realise that that's all it was really. Analyzing Anfield. On the Blood Red Channel. Are we on to Group C? Um, group C, yeah, we are. So Group C, we have Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. Mm. Right, you go first. Just on that, by the way, I've got a sneaky. Yeah, just on that, I've got a sneaky feeling that Ukraine are going to top that group. You know, just uh, yeah, just yeah, if, well, if anyone's a I think likes, I'll... like a tipple. I think Austria could do quite well as well, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Netherlands slip out there. On the subject of ne- Netherlands, rather than going for one of those sides, I've gone <laughs> for the Netherlands player. But you know, it's a Liverpool <laughs> podcast. I couldn't, I couldn't miss the opportunity to talk about a player who's been linked, and that's obviously Daniel Malen. Um, I don't know what more we can add. Really good attacker, been doing the business in the era of easy for for a while now. Uh, and I guess a flagger because I'm just really interested to see how his how his abilities translate into, you know, such a such a really competitive not only competitive but pressured environment because that's what you'd be getting if you were in the Premier League playing week in week out, especially for the side like Liverpool. Um, yeah, I think he only has about nine caps on, under his belt. Um, although he's played a lot of football for PSV, uh, he's played over eighty times. He's got a, a strike rate about it you know, one in every two or something. So he's more than proven himself there. I think if he can go to the European Championships, do well with the Netherlands, um, then that could, in, in, in the same way you have these players who play weaker leagues but perform really well in Europe, I feel like this is a similar thing. If he can perform really well on an international stage here, um then you, that it probably minimises that risk you were talking about a little bit in terms of how would his abilities translate from somewhere like the Eredivisie to the Premier League. The issue with that is if he was to do that, 
you're probably driving the price up at the same time. You know, we we well, it's it, it's a it's a fact really that any player that does well at an international tournament is prices as high as it can possibly get in the me- in the immediate weeks after. I agree. Uh, and that's, I guess, that's a trade off of it. Um, I, I, it just depends whether the club see that as a worthwhile trade off. No, having the best understanding of how he perform. Um, you know, be, if they know, okay, we'll probably have to pay an extra five, 10 million, but he, he, he looks like he's going to be worth it in the long run. I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, but I mean, either way, he's going to play at the tournament, isn't he? So they're probably, unless he would have made a move, move before, um, the hands are tied a little bit in that sense. Yeah, so I'm going to steer away from, from Holland. But before I do, I'd like to flag that, you know, long-term listeners of the show, listeners from a few weeks back, in fact, uh, Toon Koopminers is going to be playing for Holland. Uh, he's a player that I mentioned a few weeks back. So keep an eye on him. <laughs> um, he's actually been linked in the past few days to Atalanta. So it'll be interesting to see if that one actually materialises. But again, if you're watching Holland, Coop Miners is the, the the big six foot lad who can kind of do everything in the middle of the park there. So keep an eye on him. Uh, but I'm going to go to Austria and I'm going to talk about uh, Xavier Schlager. Hopefully I've said that right. He played against England recently uh, and he put in a few aggressive tackles, let's say that. But and he doesn't look as young as he is. He looked about when he was playing. He looked about forty. <laughs> but, uh, if you actually look at his age, he's he's only twenty three. Um, currently playing for Munching Munching. No, no, no. Sorry, he's playing for Wolfsburg. I thought it was Munching Gladbach for some reason there, but he came from RB Salzburg, Red Bull Salzburg, and we know the links with Liverpool and the Red Bull clubs. There's a reason Liverpool are linked with those players because they execute a specific brand of football. They tick the clock boxes essentially, and Schlager. Although I might he might not reach Liverpool level, he's a good player. You know, I, I I like watching him. Really aggressive, good at the whole pressing side of things without the ball. Likes to have a shot every now and then as well, considering his position in midfield. Um, and yeah, he's he's just a player that I wouldn't be surprised if he moved to the Premier League. He seems suited to the Premier League, but maybe not Liverpool level. So if if you're gonna play such a pressing style of football. You know, maybe like a Southampton, maybe possibly even a little bit higher. But he's a player who to keep an eye on. And I think supporters of England listening to this podcast will probably be aware of him on the back of his performance against against us a few few days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I've gone for a central defender next, uh, Ukraine, and this is a player that I've cheated a little bit because I've, I've written about them recently and I've watched them a little bit. Um, via White Scout, so you know I, I got a picture of the player and looks a good player, uh, and that's I'll take your time on this pronunciation. Ilya Zabarny, I think it is. It's spelled Z A B A R N Y I. Um, twenty year old. Um, what's really impressed is he's been a he's only twenty and he's been a, a regular in Dino Kiev's uh, defense this season, uh, and he's. By all accounts, really impressed. He looks solid in the in the numbers. Um, and he just possesses traits that you that you'd value in defender. You know, he's he's, he's tall, over six foot one, um, strong, but um, seems quite mobile as well. I said I I watched a little bit of him, and he seemed to do fairly well in duels. Uh, you know, whether that be one v one or getting dragged out wide, he doesn't seem to overcommit. Seems quite composed. Um, just a good defender, and ironically, uh, I noticed he, he's had a few links with some. I think might be someone like Chelsea recently uh, over the last week. So he's clearly doing something right. Um, and again, it's really difficult for us to predict whether he's going to be in the starting eleven or he's going to be used sparingly. But Ukraine have had a, a decent kind of defensive defensive setup for. The last twelve months or so, I know they've uh, they've not conceded many goals over the last few internationals, and um, you know that'll probably do him good if he is coming to that side. He's just a just a player to watch. Dynamo Kiev, a low key, a club who seems to produce a lot of really good players, um, and maybe this might be more of the next uh, generation. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ukraine do actually, but um, 
I'm sticking with Austria again. So I'm going to go for uh, Christoph Baumgartner. Um, still really young, just 21. But he looks good. He looks like he's he's got a move on, on the horizon. Still contracted till 2025. So that move probably isn't going to come soon. That's a Hoffenheim. But um, as I said, 21 years old and he, he's a midfield player. A little bit more, but he's a bit more offensive minded. And that shows up in his in his returns, really. So despite playing in midfield this season in the Bundesliga, he scored six, assisted three. And last season, he scored seven, assisted two. So he's kind of that midfield player, despite his age. He's kind of that midfield player who... And that's, that's league only, by the way. So he's, he, he chipped in a few in the Europa League, I think. But he's kind of that player who, each season in the league, he's probably going to contribute despite his deeper position, between 8 and 10 goals a season, something like that. Um, and in addition to that, he's he's really, really good. Well, he's really active on the defensive side, despite, of, uh, despite his offensive characteristics. Keen pressure of the ball. You know, he, he ranks right up there for his defensive pressures. And keen, you know, when it comes to tackles and blocks and all that sort of stuff. So, he did play against England the other day. He was one of the few who had a few shots, I think, from outside the box. I think Ostia generally struggled to generate much, but he was one of the threats, hasn't been injured much in his career. Um, and he's a, he's a player that, I think, moving forward, those teams that want to add a few goals from midfield, he he looks like that type of player, to be honest. He looks like he he's going to be able to do it. But, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of a second season, I suppose, at a top level. Um, in terms of getting fights of quite a few minutes. And I think if he was to do it again, and maybe once more, that's kind of, again, that four-season thing under his belt. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a move to to a higher team. So, yeah, one to keep an eye on. And, uh, again, Dave, I'm going to uh, I'm going to quietly tip off the I think, to, to, to do fairly well. Mm. Yeah, I'll be honest, I wasn't really eyeing uh, Austria up as a dark horse, but... You know, I must say, Josh, I'll always, I'll always take your uh, your opinion uh, on its merits. So you know, I'll, I'll maybe give them a little bit more faith now. Yeah, I don't know about the dark horse. I wouldn't. I don't think they'll win it. I just mean, uh, I don't know. Just yeah, get a bit further than people think. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go to Group D now. England's group. Funny enough. So we've got England. We've got Scotland, Croatia, and the Czech Republic. So, Dave, I'll let you start. I'm assuming, I'm going to say, by the way, in terms of scouting picks, I would be surprised if we don't have the same player at least once here. I'll be disappointed, Dave, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't think, I, I don't think I've uh, I've gone very straightforward. Uh, there's a, there's a, the first player I've got. I'm going to say, there's a lad I've got who, who, who is, what I was speaking before about hype trains, he's kind of got a bit of hype around him at the minute, and I think, it's kind of justified as well. So we'll see if we've got them anyway. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we won't because I have an idea what you mean and I haven't got them. Um, I'll start with Croatia and the play that's actually played in the Premier League. A play that I know quite well and maybe some listeners will, will have an idea of or at least remember. And that's Croatia's uh, Nikola Vlasic. Um, he's a, look, he's a, he's a player that I, I think is a really good footballer. Do you know what, Dave? Um, I was I was gonna flag him myself, and the reason I was gonna flag him is from an Everton perspective because he, for whatever reason, it didn't work. But I think mm-hmm. when Everton picked him up, I think they just played against him, hadn't they, a few weeks earlier? And I think I remember watching mm-hmm. the game, and he did really well. And I think he's since done quite well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has. And, and I think the issue was he comes in as a nineteen-year-old. Um, an attacking midfielder, although he's very versatile, but, you know, say on paper, a traditional kind of number 10 type. Um, and Everton notoriously brought in about 22 of them that summer. <laughs> you know, Rooney come, come in and he wanted to play that position. Klassen comes in, play in that position. Um, and he never really got a look in. Uh, he didn't really have the, the faith of the management, although it was quite a turbulent campaign anyway for them. He ends up, uh, I think he has a low move, then he ends up going to CSK Moscow. But, you know, 
he looked a very good play when he was when he was featuring for Everton, and now he's gone over there, and he's been fantastic. He really has. Um, he's and I'm just having a quick. Uh, only brought his numbers up very quickly now, but you now averaging. Bear in mind, he's not a striker. It's like 0.4 goals per 90, 0.2 per 90. Assists, underlying numbers, support it. Very skillful, lots of dribbling. Uh, 7.2 dribbles per 90, 60% success rate. Um, you know, his, his underlying numbers are good, but also when you watch him, you see he's a good player. Um, and I think of the players that Everton brought in and sold, he's the one they should be regretting. And... A Premier League club, in my opinion, should go back in for him because I think he's a he's a really good player that brings a lot of output in the final third. So he's a player I really like. Uh, he's still just twenty three, still just twenty three. So I expect him to have a have a good tournament, and uh, and I do expect another move out of him in the next year or two, maybe back to England. Yeah, it's insisting that around a similar period, um, Everton got. Flasage and and Luchman on the books, and for whatever reason, both of them, you know, didn't really didn't really pan out as expected. Um, but two players that you know look like they they've got bags of potential to the game and certainly a high ceiling to reach. Mm. So such a such a well run club, eh, Evan? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with the player that I I expected you to have, maybe you haven't, but it is a uh, Adam Hlozchik. Yeah, didn't uh, yeah, I didn't do. Sorry. Okay, so he is eighteen years old, uh striker for Sparta Prague. He's obviously representing the, the Czech Republic in the tournament. And uh this season, despite his age, he scored fifteen league goals and assisted seven. And I think fourteen of those goals were non penalty. So uh yeah, clearly got lots of potential, lots of hype around him. Um, linked strongly with a move to West Ham, which is probably no surprise considering their recent capture of Suchek and Sufal, both from I think both from Sparta Prague. I think I'm right in saying, certainly from that from that league. Uh, sometimes I get mixed up with some of them, but you know, again, 18 years old, but he's about I think he's around six foot one, and a. Uh, Looks decent with both feet, good finisher. Maybe he's overperformed a little bit. And again, the fact that he's only been on the scene, well, not very long, is probably a reason as to why West Ham would take a punt. Whereas a, a team with maybe higher ambitions would wait for him to, to do it a bit more. But if West Ham get him and he was to showcase good form, he could really get some kind of return on, on an investment there in terms of goal in the Premier League and then probably a big fee for the services. And... Uh, I thought it was interesting that in his most recent game, I think it was about 10 days ago in in his domestic league, he played the first 45 minutes and then came <laughs> off, which I'm assuming was for international reasons. But in that 45-minute period, he scored four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think one was the penalty. I think that was when the penalty came, actually. Uh, mm. But yeah, he looks like a really well-rounded forward who's who might have a good tournament, might have a bit of a Milan Baros tournament, to be honest. Yeah, on him, sorry, I was just going to say, I was trying to think why I'd written about him recently, uh, albeit I'd, 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 I'd written for him for potentially United as someone maybe they keep an eye on, so that's that's probably a push. Um, but, yeah, that, I, I was trying to remember where, where, where it was, I just brought it up now, and yeah, the the, the eight, eight assists plus four second assists. Like he's he just seems to create as well, doesn't he? He's not just a goal scorer. He seems to create for those around him. So yeah, he's a definitely an interest. I thought he'd actually be well. I put in here that he'd been linked with Liverpool sensitively. I don't know if you if you've seen them. Yeah, I've got that written down. I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it. You know, big. I haven't seen like big links. So. I don't know if there's anything in that one, but I think there's certainly something in the West Ham link, given this, given Suchek and, and Sufel both came from, from that division, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, he's a one to watch. He could be a player that we talk about more in depth uh, over the next year or so. Um, yeah, the, the reason I flagged this this next player was because there's an interesting story behind it, um, and that's Michael Sadelich, uh, whose parent club is PSV, 
Uh, he's playing for Czech Republic, but he's been actually on loan uh, in the Czech Republic this season with um, one of the top clubs that I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'll try and check it in a minute. Um, but he uh, he played well in the under-21 championships and he, he got called up to the senior squad for the for the Euro 2020. Um, so he's the only player to actually compete in both, which is a testament to him. Um, I think he comes in at the expense of someone who, who had to drop out, but I think it's a testament to himself that he makes the squad. Um, and yeah, Rogue's a little bit about me. He just looks a really good player. Um, looks like he's very versatile. He's been used as like a, a number six box-to-box attacking midfielder. Even as a centre forward on occasions, and I don't know about you, Josh, but I always find if you're one of these players who gets used everywhere, um, chances are you're probably the best player in the side, and and you can be pulled anywhere and really influence things. So I think that's a good sign with him. Um, and yeah, he's just a player that I've got a feeling that he may just um, he may just kind of come in and, and and do a good job and make a name for himself. Said it, it it didn't quite work out initially with PSV, but. I think he's set to go back there. Uh, he's set to play a part there as well. So probably won't. He's still only 22. Might not see much of him over the next year or two, but maybe a bit further down the line, he could be a you know the type of midfielder that comes over to England and 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 has a good career. Uh, so yeah, just someone to keep an eye on, Michael uh, Sadly. Yeah. So my next one is a bit of a cheat, to be honest, because uh, I'm I'm going to briefly flag two players. And the reason for that is because of I've flagged them before on this podcast, both Croatian and both centre backs. So, firstly, is I think his first name was Josko, and then surname Gradiel mentioned him fairly recently, Dave, in the scouting picks. Uh, recently moved to RB Leipzig, seems to be replacing, you know, the presences of of Ibrahima Kanate and Dayota Pamakane, who are both leaving. But he got picked up from, I think it was Zagreb, and still 19, left-footed centre-back. So he was one to keep an eye on that I thought I'd mention a few weeks back. He's going to be representing Croatia, but probably from the bench more often than not. And the lad who's going to be starting against England, I think, in the first game as well, is going to be Dusko Letakar, who obviously we mentioned a few months back in reference to Liverpool as potentially a sign for the club to make in January and Liverpool actually went and tried to make the sign, albeit very, very late to the extent that it didn't end up going through because Marseille couldn't get a replacement. But he's a player that I thought very much fitted the Liverpool style of defending. Again, he's got a past at RB Salzburg and decent passing range, really physical, good in the air. Really good in the air, actually. I think he might have finished top of League One for aerial dual success. And still fairly young. I think he was around 24 when I last checked. Uh, yeah, 24 years old. Six foot two. So, again, England are going to be playing this this player. Harry Kane's going to be coming against him. So, just keep an eye on him because uh, Liverpool were really, really close to getting him up until them finally opting for, for Canate instead, it seems. So, yeah, two players, two centre-backs there for Croatia. That I thought were very, very relevant to analysing Anfield. That I thought I'd mention. Analysing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Next, Dave, uh, Group E, and we have Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Okay, uh, just like quickly, Kaletikar, so he's getting linked with West Ham, by the way, which I thought was interesting. Um, that is an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Um, yeah, quite straightforward. I'll start with a very straightforward one. Uh, again, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, bringing anything new to the table here. I just want to make a general point. Uh, Farron, Farron Torres. Uh, I think it could be really interesting to see how he does at the tournament because I've been thinking about him a lot this season, well, the last few weeks, I should say. Um, I'm just thinking he looks an immense talent. That sounds silly given the money that was paid for them, given he's at one of the biggest clubs in Europe uh, in terms of ability right now. You know, I'm not talking about anything else. don't want anyone getting worked up. Uh, but in, in Manchester City, and it kind of feels like it hasn't, it, it doesn't get as much tra- traction as you'd expect. And I think it's because they've got so much talent in the side and the way Pep's used them kind of sparingly. But 
if he could have a really good tournament here, um, I think he could go up a level in stature and probably in the estimations of of his role with Guardiola and at City. And I think he could low-key be a really big play in the Premier League next season, which obviously isn't good news for Liverpool. But, you know, just from a wider perspective, taking the Liverpool hat off at the moment and just looking at it uh, objectively, I think he's he could go on to be a strong strong player next season. Next season, I think a good tournament here would kind of be the launching pad for that. Yeah, I think Guardiola's actually spoke quietly about maybe he's um, going to be used as a striker moving forward because he has shown an ability to put the ball in the back of the net. He's shown an ability to thrive in and around the penalty box as opposed to maybe progressing the ball as much. So, yeah, he's, he's an interesting player and I think moving forward it'll be interesting to see how Guardiola uses him because he's, he's obviously got a history of using players as best as they possibly can be used. So, it'll be interesting is if after working with him for 12 months, he deems his best position to be as a striker. Um, he was your pick, wasn't he, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to go for a lad who's also in the Premier League. Uh, drifting under the radar a little bit, hasn't made as much of an impact yet. But it is uh, Jacob Moda. So he's <sighs> putting... That's our first. <laughs> That's our first. We've done quite well, to be fair. It was inevitable, weren't it, to be honest? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's insistent, on, isn't he? He's, uh, he? He plays for Brighton, for those who aren't aware. And he only started making real appearances towards the back end of the season, I think. Still only 22 years old. And he was bought from Lech Poznan in October 2020, so not that long ago, for about 10 million. Um, and one of the interesting things about him is he, he seems to just, he doesn't seem to have a position. <laughs> 22 years old he plays absolutely everywhere he, for Brighton this season in his few appearances I think he played left wing back right wing back as an offensive midfielder as a standard central midfielder he can he plays, seems to play everywhere and, and at Lech Poznan just before he moved he played he started 14 times scored 4 and assisted 2 and the season before, he start, started 15 times, scored five, and assisted four. And when I've when I seen him play, when I, seen, I think I watched his debut. I think he had like four shots in 20 minutes, <laughs> in his first 20 minutes. So <laughs> he looks like a really interesting, weird player. And Brighton tend to pick those up as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on and whether he plays a more central role next season, Dave. Yeah, yeah, these are the... Um... I'll be honest, it wasn't a transfer when it happened I took much interest into, but um, I imagine we may follow the same person, Albion Analytics, uh, the Brighton fan. Yeah, um, on Twitter then. I've saw him tweet about him once or twice. He's someone I looked into uh, and he just, yeah, he looks <laughs> really interesting as a player, uh, really unique. Um, I guess if a lazy comparison would be like a, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, one, I thing I, I one thing I one thing I I thought was insistent with him was he's quite tall, isn't he? He's he's, he's six. Yeah, he's over six one. I was six. I was good. Well, I said over six foot, foot one. So yeah, same thing. Yeah, he's he's really tall, but he's, he does seem to be a really good technical player. No, he seems to yeah, have good understanding, good movements and stuff. He's quite mobile as well, despite his height. Mm. So again, really odd player, I suppose. Um, but. In a way, typical Brighton when it comes to recruitment, and it'll be see, interesting to see how he does moving forward. Yeah, um, you'll have to double up, mate. You have to go again. So, I'll go with a player who, again, I think we've mentioned on this podcast before, but it, he's difficult to overlook, especially when it comes to, to this tournament, you know. So, it's Alexander Isaac. Uh, we spoke about him before again, but you know, six foot two, really interesting player. And he did move to Borussia Dortmund initially, and that was because of his potential. You know, Dortmund are really quick to pick up these players. When I said earlier that Liverpool tend to give a player plenty of minutes before committing, Dortmund take the risk very, very quickly. They do it with, you know, Sancho, Bellingham, Isaac. Uh, but in Isaac's case, for whatever reason, it didn't really work particularly well at Dortmund. And he's now at... Sociedad, I think he's permanently at Sociedad now after being loaned out once or twice. Um, only 21 years old now, 
he moved to Dortmund when he was really young. But in the season just finished in La Liga, he scored 17 goals uh, without a single penalty. Also assisted too. So, <clears throat> and I've seen links in, in recent days with Arsenal as well, which I thought was interesting. Um, he just seems to be quite a well-rounded forward, especially for his age, scoring plenty of goals there in La Liga. Good in the air and things. Um, and considering what he's got to his game now at the age of 21, it'll be, I think he's one to keep an eye on, say, for example, when he gets to the age of 25 and he's got like another four years under his belt of development. Mm-hmm. As long as that's happened at the right place, he's got quite a high ceiling, I think. And uh, given the, se- that he's, the season that he's just had, if Sweden do okay, you know, they've got a group that I think presents some of the platform to do okay. He could, uh, he could be one of the, um, what's the word, like the rookies of the tournament, maybe, who, who ends up getting, d- doing fairly well, and maybe chasing down the golden boot even, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, he's somewhere they think, you know, could, could kind of one day replace, replace for me, you know. Um, I think he's that type, he could be that, that good of a player. Where I mean, still early days, isn't it? You know, I think there's, Talked about it about half an hour ago about the waiting to see, waiting to get those big minutes under under the belt of big leagues. Um, you know, we'll 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 see if he can if he can do that first. But yeah, you know, I think he's got the potential for that. I, I definitely think a, a Premier League club will be looking to make a move, maybe even this summer. To be honest. Yeah. So we will move on to the group of death, Dave. Uh, we have France. Well, group. Yeah, yeah. We have France, Germany. Uh, Portugal and the mighty Hungary as well so it'll be interesting to see who comes through in that one uh, but plenty of talent to choose from Dave yeah um, I've, I've gone with the play that we've talked about on this before but I still think he's worth bringing up again because getting overlooked uh, now a league champion I might add uh, and that's Benito Sanchez um, obviously he's a uh, a former wonder kid, isn't he? A, a player with a huge reputation at a very young age. Um, and there was it, he, he looked as if he was on the path to, to being an, you know, a nearly man, uh, a player, big reputation didn't fulfil it. But I think over the last couple of years, Josh, he, he, he's, he's quietly kind of shown that he can and he's become a, you know, an important player. Um, certainly, he's done really well with Lille. I'm not entirely sure how much he, if he's a, a regular fitting within the Portuguese side. Um, although I know he, he did start against Spain, so I'd assume so. Bring up his data and that. Yeah, he's, you know, he started against Spain, played started and played a full 90 against, uh, against Luxembourg. And, you know, I, I still think he's a player with a tremendously high ceiling. Uh, and at 23, he's, he's, he's nowhere near his prime yet. So, Lille are notoriously a club who... Um, who tend to do really well and some bringing players in, bringing them on and, and developing them as players and then obviously selling them for the profit. On that basis, he's another player who I think could have another move in him in the next year or two. Yeah, so I was going to go with Kylian Mbappe, but I thought it would be obvious. <laughs> so I moved away and went for Germany. Um So this is a player who has actually been fairly strongly linked to Liverpool in the past couple of months, past half season, really. But we haven't spoken about him once on this podcast. And I haven't looked into him, really, either. Um, It is Florian Neuhaus, I think is how you say it. He he looks like an interesting player, and as I said, he's been linked fairly strongly for most of the season. Um, Only 24 years old. So he's kind of had that development behind him. But he's now getting to that point where maybe he's ready to deliver his, in his career. Um, <clears throat> German, as I said, six foot one, so he's a good height. Still at Mönchengladbach, so he's playing alongside Dennis Zachariah from earlier on. Um, and he's a midfield player who can play in a number of positions. I think he predominantly plays in centre midfield, but every now and then moves a bit further forward into, I suppose, a number 10 type zone. Um, and as a result of that, every now and then, his, his return is decent. You know, he, he, he's capable of offering a few goals and assists from midfield uh, in the season just finished. 
in the Bundesliga alone. Good six, assisted, assisted five, which is a decent return. Last season, scored four, assisted two. Season before, scored three, assisted eight. And season before that, scored six, assisted one. And obviously, what I've just said there, you probably get the vibe that he's got a fair few minutes behind him, which, again, is a big Liverpool thing. If they're going to commit to a sign, you want lots of data behind him, ideally. And he's played at least 2,000 league minutes in each of the past four seasons. Actually, scratch that. He's played at least 2,000 Bundesliga minutes in each of the past three seasons. The fourth season, he was at Dusseldorf in the Bundesliga too. So I doubt Liverpool will have um, the desirable data for that one. But yeah, he just looks like a, an interesting player, actually. Look, I wouldn't rule him out. You know, the fact that it's been linked and stuff, sometimes you can say, oh, no chance. But I wouldn't rule this one out. He looks like a good progressor to the ball in terms of moving the ball from A to B. And he can do it through passing and through carrying as well. Um, his pressure numbers aren't the highest. Whether that's a stylistic thing with Gladbach, I'm not sure. But he doesn't press a great deal. But that was the same with Wijnaldum. You know, Wijnaldum, for whatever reason, didn't show up as a a, a very keen presser of the ball. Um, and I think it's interesting as well. He's, he's never never injured. His last injury was 2017. Obviously, it's 2021 now. So, yeah, it's one to keep an eye on. Liverpool, you could argue, within the market for a midfielder of that type, really. You know, I mentioned last week on the transfers pod that we could do with sign an 8-10 type player who contributes goals yeah. and assists. You know, I've just described one there, really. Um, so, he, he's going to be an interesting one to follow in the tournament. Whether he starts for the, t- for the side as complete as Germany, I'm not sure. Because, you, you know, you could like second one in, in the midfield there. But he's a player that has been linked with Liverpool and... If something was to come of that, I wouldn't be that surprised. I'd like to look at him even deeper than I have for this podcast. But just on the face of it, he, he looks interesting. Yeah. Um I've finished actually on a on a hungry play, which is quite funny because they might they're more than likely only going to play three games. But when we were doing a bit of prep work, you know, putting some names down on, on the list. I just I couldn't see that much uh, that people wouldn't really know uh, in terms of those three big nations. Uh, so I looked at Hungary and there's a player that ironically was supposed to be linked with Leicester recently and Leicester's recruit, recruitment has been pretty blob on for a little while now. Um, and it was a central defender slash sometimes left back. Uh, let me just not butcher this pronunciation, Josh. <laughs> uh, Attila... Um, Zalia, Zalia, uh, spelt S Z A L A I. Um, twenty-three years old, six foot four, really good size. Um, predominantly tends to play as like a left centre back in you know sometimes back four, sometimes back three. Um, but you know we just got a really good straight she like in central defender. I had a quick look at his numbers before the show. Uh, fairly average uh, aerial duel, considering his height. You know, it was only about maybe 52, 53% success rate last season, which seems low, but uh, there could be reasons behind that. I won't just make, you know, sweeping assumptions on it. Uh, defensive duel success rate just below 70%, which is really good. Um, yeah, it just seems to be a really strong defender who's highly rated. You know, not someone I've watched, but someone I did read about recently. Uh, hence why he comes to my mind when we were prepping for the show. Um, he's almost certain he's going to start for, start for Hungary, so we're going to get a look at him. And, yeah, you know, consider the clubs he's been linked with. He's a, he's an interesting player. He's, I think, he, I'm looking at his career history. He, went to, he started to wrap in Vienna, goes out to Apollon, uh, I think it's in Cyprus. And then he and then he moves to Fenerbahce, and that's where he is now. Obviously, competing in the in the Turkish uh, Super League. So he's a player who who's kind of climbed through the ranks a little bit in terms of competitiveness of divisions. Uh, looks to be an important player despite his age for Hungary. And when you get linked to the likes of Leicester, uh, AC Milan as well, I think there's there's evidence there to say that those people who watched him more. Then let's say we have uh, looked beyond the numbers. Uh, there's clearly a really good player in there, and then for that reason, I think he's he's going to be one to maybe pull on everyone's radar now uh, before he 
you know, maybe explodes in a year or two. Yeah, interesting shout. He's, he's another one that's just slipped under my radar. I'm not aware of him. Um, but for me, again, this group was tough because most players, especially the ones that were going to start, everyone will have heard of, really. Um, so I'm going to quickly mention, this isn't my pick because it's not really fair, is it? Because I mentioned them last week. But Pedro Goncalves is part of the Portuguese team. Um, well, the squad, at least. I mentioned him last week in terms of how he's just kind of exploded a little bit this season. I think I said he scored, I think it was 23 goals in the Portuguese top division this season. Despite his age, I think he was quite young as well. So he's one to watch. I think he's probably going to start from the bench most of the time, but you never know in these tournaments when a player starts playing well. Sometimes he just forces his way in. Uh, So he's one to keep an eye on, see if he does well. But the player I'm going to mention, again, he's going to be someone that everyone will be aware of, I'm sure. And despite that, he's not going to start, I don't think. French centre-back, and it is Jules Koundé. Uh, it seem, he seems to have Rafa Varane and Kim Pembe ahead of him in the French ranks. So it doesn't look like he's going to start. But he's been strongly linked with moves to the Premier League from Sevilla, which is where he currently is. He's been linked strongly with Manchester City last season. I think they actually wanted him above Diaz. I think they seemed to bid for him first. Didn't really go anywhere. He got linked with Man United. Getting linked with Arsenal. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for the links because he seems to be, despite the fact he's a centre-back, he seems to be incredibly attacking. Um, And he's only 22 as well. And he's only 5'10". So he's not, he's not massive. But despite that, he's a huge threat. He's got, he's, especially from set-pieces. Um, really good in the air. So he's, he's only scored two this season, but assisted one. Two goals and one assist from a centre-back is not that bad. Um, and his aerial success was decent. But in terms of just doing attacking things, like if you look at if you look at FB ref and look at where he ranks in certain areas for what he does compared to other centre-backs, he just he shoots a lot for the average centre-back generates scoring opportunities a lot more than the average centre-back, dribbles more than anyone in central defence, mm-hmm. Carry, carries the ball, plays progressive passes. So just, in terms of... just on that, Josh, sorry, just quickly, that's that's what I see when I think of a play. You know, I see him kind of stepping out, having that confidence to step out and, and you know, disrupt the setup and pull players out of position, create spaces elsewhere. I think that's a really good asset of his. Yeah, he just seems to have naturally offensive qualities, despite obviously playing as a centre-back. And I think any team wants to play in an attacking way would benefit from adding a player like that. You know, the likes of Arsenal, City and teams like that. Liverpool obviously haven't been linked because of his price. You know, he's getting quoted over £60 million and stuff like that for the services. But again, going back to uh, FBref, FBref have a, a, a tool now on their site they look purely at a player's numbers and they will compare that player to other statistical players, other statistical comparisons. So players who, without FBF obviously watching any of this player play, they would compare them to players who look statistically comparable. And the biggest link, the top link to Jules Koundé over the past 12 months is Harry Maguire. And if you think of how Harry Maguire plays, I'd, I'd fit him in that mould again. I think he's he's obviously got his flaws, but he's very, very attacking for the centre-back. You know, offers big perks from set-pieces, carries the ball a lot out of the fence and things. And the third most comparable link to Jules Koundé is Sergio Ramos, who again, really, really attacking for the centre-back. So I don't think he'll play for France, which so I'm not really sure why I'm flagging him, <laughs> but... He's just a really interesting player that I, that I wouldn't be surprised if he eventually arrives in the Premier League because of what he's doing. Um, really different to the typical centre back. So yeah. we'll leave it. We'll leave it there anyway, Dave. This was supposed to be a shorter pod, and it's, we've gone over the hour. <laughs> yeah. so, Producers uh, will not be happy. So apologies no, to, no, <laughs> in they, the background to the listener. <laughs> they definitely won't. Before we round up, Dave, your old twenty twenty winner. Who is it? Oof, uh, oh, Josh, 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 <laughs> on it there. Um, 
uh, at the moment, I am struggling to look past uh, Grant. I hate being a ball and going for the favourites, but I just, I just think they look, they look, they still look a really good, well balanced squad. Uh, so I'm going to go with them. Sorry to be boring everyone. No, I'm going to go with fans myself. I think this squad's mm-hmm. really good, and bottom line, they've got N'Golo Kante. So, um, but yeah, we'll be back next week anyway. So, Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you, mate. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, and uh, we will be back next week. So uh, do tune in. See you then. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.